I'm Hillary. I'm Emily. And we're the Sirens. Today we're talking about the movie Nanuchka, which was made in 1939. It was directed by Ernst Lubitsch um, and written by Charles Brackett and Billy Wilder. Uh, it stars Greta Garbo and Melvin Douglas and Ina Clare. And uh, it was billed, one of the major marketing um, ploys for it was um, the campaign Garbo Laughs. And it is, according to IMDb, it's the story of a stern Russian woman who's sent to Paris on official business um, and finds herself attracted to a man who represents everything she is supposed to detest. I uh, I take issue with that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Um, yes. And and I would say that more uh, more importantly, it's the story of a Russian envoy extraordinary who has some amount of power, potentially, um, named Nina Ivanovna Yakashova, also known as Nanachka, is sent to Paris to sort out a jewel sale on behalf of the Russian people, which has been bungled by three male comrades who've fallen in love with Western capitalistic life. She, in turn, falls in love with Count Leon Dalgu, who is supposed to be acting in a lawsuit on behalf of the Grand Duchess Swana, who is the former owner of these jewels, um, which were taken during the revolution. Naturally, Leon falls in love with Nanachka, but their politics are no easy hurdle to overcome. <laughs> <laughs> For a little bit of a twist. <laughs> um, Surprise! <laughs> Surprise! Do you want to share a little bit of trivia? Yes, so not surprisingly, the movie was banned in the Soviet Union <laughs> and all of its satellites. You don't say. <laughs> um, it pretty openly mocks the idea of communism <laughs> and makes capitalism seem like the end-all be-all. And, uh, yeah, you could see why they wouldn't like it. <laughs> um, so you mentioned the tagline, Garbo laughs, which actually came before the screenplay was even written. So, oh, really? like, the, they were just like, we're going to do a comedy with Garbo, and we'll just write something around that. So, like, the whole film was just created around that idea. Um, Greta Garbo had her misgivings about appearing in a comedy, and she was uh, particularly concerned about the drunk scene, which she thought was very vulgar. Um, I love that, because that may be my favorite acting scene of Because <laughs> it shows how good of an actor she is. Um, I thought this was interesting. She didn't wear any makeup for her scenes uh, before her transformation. Oh. Which I, it just made me think, like, she is incredibly beautiful and probably doesn't need to ever wear makeup. Because I could, you know, she looked perfect before. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, the Greta Garbo hat that she wore in the film, that like pointy hat, was actually based on a sketch she did herself. So the costume designer made that. Oh, cool. Um, and according to newspaper reports, Spencer Tracy was a top contender for the role of Leon. <laughs> and there were rumors that William Powell, Robert Montgomery, and Cary Grant were also considered for the role. Oh, oh my God. Can you imagine a Greta Garbo and Cary Grant movie? <laughs> well, that's what I was th when I was looking at those names. I was like, I really, I don't think I would have liked Spencer Tracy in this. William Powell, I think, would have yeah. been good, oh or God. Cary Grant. <laughs> and honestly, I did not particularly like the male lead in this movie. Douglas, yeah, I feel like he's. I I haven't seen very much with him in it, but I don't. 
He's fine, but like I'm not gonna run out and watch all of them. I just did find it very appealing. So, um, so yeah, that's that's a little bit of trivia for you there. <laughs> um, do you want to talk a little bit about um, one of the actors? Yes, I picked kind of a smaller role for this movie, uh, Felix Bressard, who played Comrade Bulyanov, and we also saw him previously in the shop around the corner as Purovich. Yeah. Because um, I just think he's hilarious with his little glasses and his bushy mustache. <laughs> he had both of those in the other movie, right? Yeah, I think that's just his actual look. I don't think that's costuming. From what Greta I read. Garbo didn't wear makeup. He didn't wear any makeup either. <laughs> so... <laughs> Felix Bressart had two distinct careers as a comic actor, an earlier one on stage and screen in his native Germany, and a later, more prosperous one in Hollywood. He trained under Maria Moisey in Berlin and began acting professionally after World War I. He honed his skills in political parody, musical comedy, and slapstick in the theaters of Hamburg, Berlin, and Vienna, where he worked with Max Reinhardt. By 1933, he had established his film acting credentials in popular mainstream German movies like Die Drive on der Tankstelle <laughs> and Die Private Sekretarin. <laughs> so you know those classics. <laughs> um, like so many other distinguished actors, he was forced to leave Germany during um, the 1930s when the Nazis came to power. Basically, like any creative or intellectual person. Had to leave. Yeah, which is... It's interesting because I had, I studied German film some in college and Germany actually was like uh, like a center for film at that time and kind of had the potential to, to like become what Hollywood is now. They had some of mm-hmm. like the best filmmakers, but World War II like basically ended that because <laughs> like everyone left. <laughs> who was a good actor, and then the people who stayed all were then affiliated with the Nazis, and, you know, have, it's been a, like, a blight upon all of their work, so, um, but Felix got out, which was good, he moved to Switzerland and France, and then settled in the United States, uh, where his connections to fellow emigres like Joe Pasternak and Ernst Lubitsch guaranteed him employment, um, so he joined the regular company of stock players at MGM and was immediately typecast as um, <laughs> disheveled academics, wistful European philosophers, scientists, and music professors of diverse ethnicity, which is like more or less what he plays in these movies. Um, his first major screen success was in this movie, um, Ninochka, and then because that was so popular, he, they created a similar part for him in Comrade X, which came out the following year in huh. 1940. Um, the role which defined his career, which was part comedy and part pathos, was the classic wartime satire, To Be or Not To Be, oh, yeah. where he played Greenberg, a Jewish member of an acting troupe with Carol Lombard and Jack Benny. Um, and Felix died of leukemia in 1949 at the age of Making a sad face. <laughs> I know it's very sad, but I, I thought he was great in this movie and the previous. Yeah, one. I was just thinking, oh, we should see to be or not to be. I know. To be on our... I've never seen it, so we Ooh. should add it to our list. We should. That has a lot of good people. 
Um, can you tell us something about Greta Garbo? I can't tell you anything about Greta Garbo. <laughs> I don't know anything about her. Oh. <laughs> um, Greta Garbo uh, was born um, Greta Louisa Gustafsson in 1905 in Stockholm um, to um, a, a mother who worked in a jam factory and a father who were, was just sort of a general laborer. Um, and her father died when she was 14, which left the family um, in poverty. Um, and Greta was forced to leave school um, and go to work in a department store. And she was always, um, um, she was always a little bit um, embarrassed about how she didn't have an education after the age of 14. Um, and um, she started working as a model for the department store. Um, in some newspaper ads, um, and then eventually shot a short advertising film for that store while she was a teenager. A Swedish uh, comedy director saw that film and then gave her a small part in um, a movie he was working on, um, and she later applied for and won a scholarship for a drama school, and um, while she was there, she appeared in one tiny role in a movie. And then uh, this famous Swedish director named Moritz Stiller pulled her out of drama school to be the lead in the saga of Gustav Berlin, um, which was her first major movie. And, and that was 1924. And then the following year, MGM offered contracts to both Greta Garbo and um, uh, Moritz Stiller. Um, they both came to the United States. And she was in a slew of movies where she didn't have to speak any English. She hadn't mastered that yet. And then her first talkie was the movie um, Anna Christie in 1930 and garnered her an Academy Award nomination as Best Actress, which she didn't win. And then her, um, she was in a couple of other movies that didn't do very well, but then had the lead role in Mata Hari in 1931, which turned out to be a huge hit. She was in Grand Hotel in 1932, which was um, the movie where she says, I want to be alone, um, which was her like signature line and is actually referenced in this movie. Um, I don't know if you caught that. <laughs> I didn't know it was a reference. Oh. <laughs> And then she was in Anna Karenina in Queen Christina, where she plays this sort of gender bendy role. And then in Camille, she just, you know, played all these like famous women. And then in 1939, um, she was in Anachka, which was supposed to be a comeback role for her after this box office disaster movie called Conquest. And then two years after Anachka, she made um, what what turned out to be her last film, The Two Faced Woman, which was another comedy film. Was controversial and was condemned by the Catholic Church and Greta Garbo has was like never really recovered from that. She what? do you know what it was about? I don't know. Uh and actually this is the first time I read that there was any like controversy about it, that the Catholic Church had anything to say about it. So then um World War Two happened and she decided to retire. There's various legends about why she retired as most of her life was sort of legendary. It's hard to tell what was actually true, but she so she never made another movie after 1941 and moved to New York City, where she um, spent a lot of time with other personalities like Aristotle Onassis. She spent the rest of her life gardening and raising flowers and dodging the paparazzi in New York City. She was given a special Oscar in 1954, but spent most of the life her life as a recluse. 
Um, she died in 1990, uh, and she was 84, and her house that she lived in, or her apartment that she lived in in New York City, as of this recording, is for sale for like five and a half million dollars. So. Should we do a Kickstarter? I think we should. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, <laughs> if you would like to own part of Greta Garbo's house. <laughs> we'll give you a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like I've heard people talk about her being a recluse. Did it? Have anything to do with her looks, like aging? I don't know. I I feel like I've heard like lots of different stories about why she became a recluse, and part of it was that you know she was aging and that she wasn't getting the roles that she wanted anymore. And I think there she spent so much of her time when she, like the twenty years that she was in Hollywood, just like embroiled in like scandal, not scandal, but like. People just wouldn't leave her alone. Um, and so I think she was tired of that. Plus, like, there's this whole, like, long-standing question of her, like, sexuality and her sexual orientation. And like, there were many stunts to, like, get her to marry John Gilbert, her, like, this co-star that she was with. And, like, including, like, some story about her leaving him at the altar or something. So I don't know if that had anything to do with well, I thought she was good in this movie. I really haven't seen a lot of her movies. Well, you know, we can we can watch all the Felix Bressert movies, and then we can watch all the Kenny <laughs> Garner movies. So you had seen this film before, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is one of these movies that I saw when I was a kid, and <laughs> and then memorized all the words too. <laughs> I was sort of of two minds about it. I really liked her in the pre-transformation role. Yeah. I thought she was very funny, like, as the cold communist woman. Yeah. And, and, some, and some of the communist jokes, I thought, were really... They, they just were, like, goofy enough that, like, you know, they were right for me. But then some of the overall movie I just thought was very weird. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> yeah. And I think every time that there was a moment of, like, oh, here's a strong woman, then there's, like, some sexist undertone of, I mean, well, and you watch that whole, like, the whole scene where she starts to laugh, and, like, it's, the premise of that, that scene is that Leon says, you, you should smile more. <laughs> like, <laughs> something women still love hearing, particularly on the street from That's strangers. Right. Strangers. Yeah, the, I, the, that whole idea of, I, I'm one person... And I have these principles and these loyalties, and then I fall in love, and that all goes out the window, like, really pisses me off. Yeah. Although she did go back to Russia. She did, but... Actually, you know what I thought would have been a better ending for this movie? (laughs) When she's on the plane with the comrades leaving, that that would just be the end. Yeah. I thought that would have been much better. I so even though I'd seen this movie before, I could not remember I, the ending. I like totally had no memory of, and so when she was like from the moment she like got on the plane, I was like, I don't remember. <laughs> what are they doing going to Istanbul? Well, what about that um, <laughs> when she's back in Russia? There was like a super high budget looking scene with all the parades yeah. and stuff, and I was like, I can't believe they got this many extras and yeah. put all of this into this sort of like throwaway yeah this Russian scene moment that doesn't really need to be here. Yeah, I I also really didn't 
feel like there was good chemistry between her and Leon yeah. in the movie. And the the whole romance, like, this, so basically <laughs> what it was is that I liked some of the communist jokes, <laughs> but the romance did nothing for me. Like, I I didn't understand why he liked her. Yeah. And then the I thought the way the movie was going when she was still sort of in her cold Russian mode, um, I thought that she was not going to be interested in him. Yeah. Because I could, I honestly could not tell that she liked him. And I was like, why is she going back to his apartment? Like, Yeah, why is she take, like, letting him take off her jacket? Yeah, like, and also, I thought there was a lot of, like, innuendo and sort of, like, kinky implications in, like, a lot of scenes in this movie <laughs> that I was like, they're getting away with a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um... But yeah, yeah, I, I totally, like, the romance made no sense to me. The fact that Leon would, like, literally just notice her on the street. She would be, like, sort of rude and weird. Yeah. And, you know, she was in, like, very plain clothes and everything, and I just thought, like, no way would this guy all of a sudden be like, I'm obsessed with you. Yeah, I'm going to follow you to the Eiffel Tower. Well, um, yeah, and it's that whole, like, trope or whatever of, a, like, a woman who's... Uptight. Yeah, uptight, but, like, also, like, like not available. And so, like, as a man, like, that's kind of sexy because uh-huh. it's and a challenge. He, if you, the message is for the men out there, just harass her long enough and then she'll like you. That's right. <laughs> just follow her places. Uh, well, and then he's, like, possibly, I guess, like, I assume in a relationship with the Grand Duchess. Yeah. Who, like... I don't know if she's supposed to be Russian. I mean, I guess she's supposed to be Russian, but she doesn't seem very Russian. She doesn't have the accent. No. And, um... And, you know, and she's sort of flippant at that, like, he's off, like, seeing... spending time with her, like, political rival. <laughs> yeah. That, that was another plot point that seemed totally unbelievable to me, was that, um... The Countess, was it Countess or Duchess? Duchess. The Duchess was going to, she she had her jewels back. Yeah. And then she said, I will give them all back to you if you, you know, basically end your relationship with Leon. And yeah. I was like, hold up. <laughs> These jewels are worth enough money to feed all of Russia, apparently. Right. And you're just going to... And you don't even seem to care that much about... I mean, she, it seemed like maybe her pride was a little hurt, but you really didn't see much like the Duchess was being in love with him. She was, like, jealous of how beautiful Ninochka was, but, like, that was it. Like, she didn't want anybody else abstain- overshadowing her beauty and her, her availability to, to Leon. Also, I had a lot of questions about, like, when the Grand Duchess and the Nachka were speaking to each other. It's like, if they're both Russian, are we supposed to believe that they're actually speaking Russian to each other at the moment? Because they're not, like, they wouldn't be speaking French to each other, probably. They're definitely not speaking English to each other. <laughs> <laughs> One language are they speaking. Well, the, <laughs> they did that classic movie thing where they're supposed to be in France, <laughs> but the people are speaking English with American accents, and then there's, like, one person speaking with a Russian accent. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and, then, and then the other Russian character does not have one, so... Right. But, but all the comrades did. Right. It reminds me of watching um, any Ingrid Bergman movie that you watch. 
she they like explain away her like her accent in just like a few lines just to be like oh she she just happens to be Norwegian or she just happens to be German it's fine. <laughs> I also thought it was hilarious that Russia sent three men to do this job, and yeah. I kept saying, "Why does there need to be three of them here? Yeah. I don't understand." Well, but like classic that like three men they sent three men. They screwed up, so they sent a woman to go clean it up, and, like, in the first place, they should have just sent her. Yeah. And not, like, just dispose of the men. <laughs> and what about the cigarette girls? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, the thing I don't know, I thought they were going in the direction of they were going to, like, call for these maids to come up, and then you know, get told off or, like, bonked on the head or something, but instead the maids were all like, wee-hee-hee-hee, this is great. I love going up to your suite with a bunch of creepy old men. Yeah, it's totally fine. I mean, I wonder if they, like, are getting tipped a lot, or that's why they're, like, totally fine with it, or... And they were wearing, like, very short skirts. Come on, we wear that to work every day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I also wanted to talk about the the hotel and then his apartment. Oh yeah, For, that that hotel suite was ridiculous. <laughs> it was I'm like ashamed a to put a le- picture of Lennon in a place like this. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a good line because <laughs> it's a it's a communist joke. <laughs> and his apartment, I'm sure, was supposed to be super cool, but I thought it was so ugly. I just did not care for that, like the way it was furnished and. I, I, it was boring. It was. It was. It was boring and ugly. Yeah. <laughs> Did you think it was odd that they didn't have more arguments about like principle and stuff? I mean, like in the beginning they did, but there was no real resolution. Like, so theoretically, she believes that those jewels belong to the Russian people, right? As like a conviction. Yeah. But it's not clear that she like changes her mind about that at a certain point. Well, or... it seems like it. He like she changes his mind some things because there's that whole scene where the butler finds the marks I think in his like on his bedside table the butler is like incensed that um, he's reading communist stuff and Leon is you know questioning him about like whether or not he's like why doesn't the butler want to like support communist principles and mm-hmm. go on strike and share and share alike and there's the joke about like Butler saying he doesn't want to share half of his bank account with Leon yeah. <laughs> I mean it's such a small scene but it like I don't know part of me that wants <laughs> a glimmer of feminism in this movie is things that she manages to like convince him a little bit of the politics plus he's the one who tries to go to Russia I mean I guess he's the one with the money yeah um and then when he can't get her out, or can't get in, he, like, gets her out. How about how he just punched the Russian visa guy? <laughs> you can't do that anymore. No. <laughs> um, we say giggling. <laughs> so basically, in the end, she defects. Yes. I mean, they don't make it clear that that's what they're going to do, that they're just going to stay and come to Turkey. I guess. But... and. Defecting was really dangerous, wasn't it? Yeah. So. I, I guess as long as she's out of Russia, she'll just go back to Paris and marry him and live in that boring apartment. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they can read marks to each other. 
So you liked her drunk scene a lot? I loved her drunk scene. It did kind of, the way they were both acting seemed very much the way you do act. (laughs) I know. I mean, I feel like there's so many things that I've seen uh, Garbo in where she's, it's just like vehicles to like showcase her beautiful face. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of acting, but like in order to be convincing, a convincing drunk, like it's harder than, than you think it is. Um, Jen always reminds me of this, that like actually good like takes a lot and so you can see like oh well she's clearly not actually drunk but she's convincing a lot of people say that comedy is harder to pull off yeah i thought she was good um it was very believable i thought when she woke up and the jewels were gone and a part of me was like oh he was just using her to get i know i totally like forgot and thought that that's what which i think actually would have also been better plot yeah if he turned out to be bad but (laughs) that's not the way let's rewrite it (laughs) a string of pearls with a suit of tweed it started quite a riot what did you think of the costumes um well did you notice that there was a point i think when he takes off her jacket she's obviously not wearing a bra oh i did not notice that should pay more attention to greta garbo's (laughs) breasts (laughs) Um, I thought that was very, like, forward that he... I don't know, he, the whole time he just seems like he's, like, really aggressively trying to have sex with her. Like, yeah. basically the whole movie. I mean, it is Greta Garbo. <laughs> <laughs> I say, very, like, respectfully. <laughs> well, and she had even those, like, those, like, suits that she was wearing in the beginning that were, like, you know, skirts and then, like, had a wide waistband but these, like, neat buttons and things. Mm-hmm. And I thought that those were neat-looking. Um, you know, it's like, it was sort of relatable because it was more timeless than her ball gown, for example. Oh, gosh. I hated the ball gown. <laughs> I thought it was horrible. And I didn't think it really did much for her. No. <laughs> uh, when she goes over to Leon's apartment, though, after her sort of, like giving in to capitalism, I thought uh, she had this dress. It almost looked like a coat dress with, like, a corset-type waist. I thought that looked really great. Yeah. Um, The hat was ridiculous, but... Totally. It It was supposed to be. (laughs) (laughs) Mother, I don't want to be disagreeable or unkind. I've come home to live with you again here in the same house. But it can't be in the same way. What about, did you think the movie passed the Bechdel test? No. I didn't think it had really the opportunity to <laughs> She does talk to the Duchess about the jewels. Oh, that's true. But, like, they're talking about the jewels. But they're really talking about yeah. Leon. So, they're really yeah. talking about sex. They're really talking about Leon. Yeah. So, okay. Duh. So it doesn't pass. <laughs> In this world, there's room for everyone, and the good earth is rich and can provide for everyone. The way of life can be free and beautiful. What do you think about the social justice elements? I didn't think that there was much there because all the movie does is make fun of communism, but it doesn't really get to the... Everything is just light and glossy, and they don't get to the plight of the working person. Like, even the servants in the movie are just like, I love being a servant. (laughs) Don't make me be anything else. Um, Well, and then there's, like, in that scene at the end where they're, like... There's the parade and things. There's, like, that sweeping shot that includes two pictures of Stalin. (laughs) Yeah. Great. (laughs) 
So I didn't think there was much to it. And it didn't show the dark side of capitalism at all. Like, they, yeah. all it showed was, oh, you can, like, buy whatever you want and go, like, you know, dine out and have champagne. But it didn't show, like, okay, but this is, like, the upper echelon of people and right. how they live. And, like, what about the rest of the people who are, like, out in the gutter? Yeah. Um, Do you think yeah. this movie would have been different had we watched it, like, a year ago? before the Trump administration? Like, we would have had a different response to it? I don't know. I mean, I felt it was very, like, grounded in its time. But, like, it did feel like, oh, those goofy Russians. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of funny because, you know, a couple decades after this, then it was all, like, the Cold War and the movies and the Russians were evil. But this just made them seem like lovable goofballs. Oh, they don't have enough bread, but they like staying in the... Fancy sweet. <laughs> like, <laughs> although I kind of related to them a little bit from when I was living in in intentional community that um, like you weren't supposed to want those things, but yeah. you really wanted them. Like I would be like, <laughs> I really just want to go out and get a nice cocktail, but like I can't because they cost like twelve dollars and that's horrible. <laughs> but or like I just want to buy a new dress or like something like yeah. that. And then and you know you're not supposed to, but like it's very appealing. Yeah, you really want to. <laughs> so in a way, I related to the comrades. <laughs> uh, what rating would you give it? Uh, I think I probably would still give it. a Oh wow, that's really high. For Greta, <laughs> Greta Garbo only. I think mostly for my own like nostalgic um, purposes. I mean, it probably only deserves like a three. Oh, I was gonna go like two and a half. No, and it's it's not that I didn't. I guess it was more like the the overall plot I didn't like, but I liked <laughs> the comedic. Moments. And I did like Greta Garbo, but I didn't like the male lead at all. That's true. So. Yeah, so you're not going to like it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like the romance, which was the entire plot of the movie. Or the, yeah. Hmm. Okay, so probably I would, I should give it a three. No, keep and it. You give no. it a, keep your rating. We can disagree. <laughs> For the first time ever. It's <laughs> Mark the date. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so what's our next movie? I was just going to ask you what our next movie is going to be. We're going forward in time, right? We are. We're going to watch The Apartment. So we're sticking with comedy. Which neither one of us has seen, right? Is that true? I I may have seen it once a long time ago, but I really don't remember. Just completely well. different actors. Yes. So it's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. So <laughs> thanks for listening. Tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> is another day. Thank you.